This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. There's two works of the Holy Ghost, one in salvation or the remission of sins, and the second for service that comes on us by the baptism of the filling, infilling of the Holy Spirit. Let's keep reading. Verse 24, but Thomas was one of the 12. He's called Didymus, and he was not with them when Jesus came. Then the other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, Jesus was, or his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them, and Jesus came the doors being shut and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. Then said Jesus to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus answered him back and said, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen and yet have believed. Now let's draw your attention to a couple of things here. Thomas, who was not with the group when Jesus first appeared to him, would not accept the teaching or the, the preaching, the declaration. I don't know which word to use here. He didn't believe the other apostles when they said Jesus is still alive. He's been raised from the dead. Thomas says he will not believe. He doesn't say he can't believe. He says he will not believe. It's a choice. It's a determination. He says, I'm not going to believe until I see him. Now, I don't know if Thomas expected that Jesus would appear again and he would see him or if he's just rolling the dice and saying, that's it, I'm not going to believe this no matter what. And if Jesus hadn't appeared to him again the second time, then he would have lived his life out here on the earth in whatever manner he did and missed heaven and found himself in hell for eternity. And notice it was because of his choice. Now, you know as well as I do that Jesus didn't intend to lose any of his disciples. One of his prayers to the Father before he went to the cross is, I haven't lost any of those that you gave me except the son of perdition that prophecy might be fulfilled. He's saying Judas is the only one that I've lost, and that was going to happen because you prophesied that and said that ahead of time. There had to be a betrayal take place in one of the group. So Jesus certainly didn't want to lose Thomas. But notice what he had to do to get him. He had to appear unto him. Let Thomas see with his physical eye. Let Thomas feel with his physical hands. And notice that Jesus calls that condition, that position, a condition of being faithless. With the heart, man believes. Thomas wouldn't believe. He refused. He said, I will not believe unless I can see him and touch him. Notice what Jesus says after Thomas finally accepts that he is alive. Jesus said, because you've seen me, you believed. Now, is there a blessing associated with seeing and believing? No. He said, Thomas, because you've seen me, you believed. But blessed are those who haven't seen and yet believe. So if the condition of being faithless means having to see before you believe, then the condition of faith or believing with the heart has to be believing without see there's no other way you could divine it 
So believing with the heart, therefore, has to be defined, or at least a part of the definition of it, has to be to believe without physical evidence. That's the kind of faith that accesses the things of God. Now, we've got other examples in the Bible about this. In Numbers chapter 13, it tells us about the 12 spies that were commissioned by Moses to go into the promised land. They all came back with the same report of what they saw. They saw fruit that was more abundant than any place they'd ever been. They said, it is a land filled with milk and honey, just like God had told us through Moses. But 10 of them said, we can't take the land because of the cities that have walls around them and because of the strength of the people. Caleb and Joshua, the other two, said, we can take it because God says it's ours. You know as well as I do that the, the people believe the majority report. And so they wept. They considered themselves doomed, and they put themselves in a position where their words came to pass. They died in the wilderness over the next 40 years as Israel wandered around. I don't know if you've ever looked at a map of that part of the world, but for 7 to 9 million people to stay lost for 40 years in that small a place was a great miracle of God. But that's the way it worked. What happened there? Well, the majority of them, 10 of the 12, were going by what they saw and what they felt about what they saw. Two of them who saw the same cities, who saw the same walls around Jericho and maybe other cities as well, who saw the same strength or condition of the people that they'd have to dispossess to take hold of the land. They saw exactly the same thing, but they came to two different, uh, uh, two different positions or conclusions, completely opposite from one another. The majority report said we can't do it because of what we saw. We saw them and their strength, and we saw ourselves as grasshoppers in comparison to them. The other two saw exactly the same thing, but they came to an opposite conclusion. They said, we can do it because God said it's ours. They saw something different. They saw something different. The, the Christmas hymn, I don't know what the name of it is, but that we sing every year and it says, do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? That ought to be an anthem for faith because it's all about what you see. With the heart, man believeth. That means to see something beyond the physical realm. It has to. Thomas refused to believe anything beyond the physical realm. And he lucked out because Jesus provided it to him. But Jesus said that the blessing belongs to those who haven't seen. Maybe we should say it this way. The blessing belongs to those who see something more. They see something more. Caleb and Joshua saw something more. What was the basis for what they saw? Well, they said it was God's word. They said, God's with us. He told us this land is ours. Don't rebel against him. We can do this. They saw something more. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 4. As much as there are examples, several examples, of people being faithless or refusing to believe with their heart, because they're wanting to believe only in what they can see and feel. The Bible tells us that Abraham, who is the father of faith, believed in a different way, and his kind of faith is what we should follow as an example, what we should emulate. 
Now, I want you to look closely here at what Abraham had to see. Verse four, uh, Romans 4, verse 17, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, talking about Abraham, even God who quickens the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, there are, um, there are several other translations of this verse that I like a lot better. Here where it says, as it is written, I have made thee a father of nations before him who he believed. The word before literally means like unto. In other words, this verse of scripture is saying that Abraham imitated God. Abraham acted like God in this situation. And it identifies two things. The quickening power of God and the way that God calls things that are not as though they were. The Bible is saying Abraham did both of those two things in his situation. He was like unto God in those two respects. Now the first one, the first condition is kind of tough because only God has power to bring life back to the dead. Or so we think. But Abraham did something in emulating God, imitating God, acting like God, operating in the God kind of faith. Abraham did something that brought life back to his body. Now, certainly it was the power of God that did it and not his own power. But without his participation, without his actions, even though God wanted it to happen, it couldn't have taken place. When Abraham began to call things that be not as though they were, when Abraham began to call himself the father of many nations, when Abraham began to say what God said about him, it brought life back to his body and enabled him and Sarah to have a child. I can prove it to you. In James chapter 3, James talks about the power of the tongue. And he said, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Well, that's what Abraham did. Abraham, by beginning to say what God said about him, by beginning to confess that the promise of children was his, he spoke life back into his body. Well, that sounds a lot like what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 23 that we read earlier. Whosoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. That's what Abraham began to do. Now, whether or not he understood the, the nuts and bolts about it, I don't have a clue. Whether he understood what he was doing and the reason why he was doing it and the value it would bring, I have no clue. But he did what he saw God do. He realized that God called him, Abraham, the father of many nations before he ever had a child. Now, I'm sure he came up on the same thoughts that come, that come to us. The stumbling block that causes most Christians to reject the operation of faith other than just being saved. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Jesus said the kingdom of God is as a man speaking the word of God into his heart. 
you exercising your authority in the name of Jesus by whom you have access into the kingdom of heaven to say that for you, you are free from the influence of sickness and disease. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I know it's certainly true in my experience, and I expect it is in yours as well, that the devil comes to you and tries to tell you that you're lying when you say something that is refuted by physical evidence. And that's where most people miss it. It's not in their believing that they miss it. They believe God told the truth. They believe the Word of God or the Bible is the Word of God. But they miss it because they're unwilling to say things about their lives, their situations, their bodies, whatever the case is. They refuse to speak to the situation hoping that God will change it on his own. And the Bible says that Jesus is the high priest of our profession. In other words, without you giving voice to what the Word of God says about you and about your situation in the middle of this condition that you're in, without you giving voice to what the Bible says and reveals to us that God has planned for us, Jesus doesn't have anything to work with. He's the high priest of your confession, not the high priest of what you want, not the high priest of your thoughts, not the high priest of your hopes. He's the high priest of your profession. Your words are the only thing he has to work with. And so many times, I've fallen into this trap several times myself, so many times people are talking to God about their situation instead of speaking to the problem. And talking to God about your situation doesn't change it. But you speaking to the issue, to the mountain, to the circumstance, to the sickness, to the poverty, whatever it is that you're in the middle of. You speaking to the condition you're in, to the problem itself, puts the power of God to work. So here of Abraham, it says that he imitated God in this manner through his words and his efforts to call those things which be not as though they were, it quickened his body. It speaks further about Abraham's situation his circumstance it says who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken according to that which was spoken without any natural evidence without any natural circumstance or situation to hope in he believed and spoke according to what God had said according to that which was spoken and being not weak in faith he considered his own body now dead. He considered not, excuse me, his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It tells us what Abraham looked at. Now, compare this with Thomas and the multitude in Numbers chapter 13. They spoke... Thomas and the Jews in Numbers 13, they spoke according to what they heard relative to physical conditions or circumstances. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I see or feel. 
Israel said, well, the majority report says we can't do it because of the walls around the cities and the strength of the people. So they're speaking and taking sides with the circumstances against what God had said. Thomas took sides against the truth by saying, I won't believe unless I can see it and feel it. Abraham, on the other side, had just as much or more impossible the situation facing him than than Israel did in Numbers chapter 13. It says specifically he had no physical evidence to hope in. He had no physical evidence to base his hope upon. But the question is, do you see what I see? What did he see? Well, he saw the promise of God that said, your seed will be like the stars of the sky and the sand on the seashore. So what did he do? Looking under the promise of God, he staggered not through unbelief. In other words, he chose and he determined to operate out of his spirit, operate according to things he could not see instead of things that he could. His words, his words, Abraham's words, changed the condition in his body. Now, certainly, again, we know it was the power of God that did it. But just like in Mark chapter 5 and verse 24, Uh, 25 through 34 it tells us about the woman with issue of blood when she heard of Jesus she came in the press behind for she said if I may touch but his clothes I shall be whole she winds up fighting through the crowd and touching the hem of his garment and Jesus knows that power went out of him and into her so he stops to find out who did it she finally identifies herself tells her tells him the situation and all the things that she's dealt with for the last 12 years of this sickness that she had this issue of blood and Jesus says in Mark chapter 5 verse 34 daughter your faith has made you whole or we could use it this way for the sake of uh, understanding believing with your heart has made you whole now we already know the power of God did it we know the power of God went out of Jesus and into her and affected a healing and a cure in her body but Jesus credits her faith because your faith is what activated the power. Same thing had to be true for Abraham. It was Abraham's faith. It was Abraham's confession that he was the father of nations that activated the power of God to, to change his body and to bring life back into him and to Sarah. It's all believing with the heart. And believing with the heart comes down to what do you seek? What do you see? Do you just see the circumstances? Do you just see the doctor's report or doctor's diagnosis? Do you just see the balance of your bank book, your checkbook? Or do you see something more? Abraham saw something more. The faith that we're supposed to use as an example saw something more. It saw something more. What do you see? What do you see about these last days? A lot of people are running around seeing earthquakes and hurricanes and saying, that's it, time's up. What do you see? I see a glorious church. I see the power of God on display. Now, why do, you, why do I see that? Is it because I see evidence? Do I see things moving in that direction? No, not really. I believe it because it's what God said would be. 
But it still comes down to the same thing for you and me. What do you see? What do you see about the last days? Folks, everybody's talking about this being the last days. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about the world. The world, the unsaved, are starting to wonder how long the earth can survive. We're in the last days. What do you see? What do you see? See, what you see, whether it goes beyond just physical circumstances of things around us or not, what you see determines everything about what you'll believe and what you'll stand for and what you'll confess. And those are the things that control your life. What you believe, what you speak, and what you see. The Bible tells us to see like Abraham saw. To see like Abraham saw. Let me give you one final scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me start in verse 13. Paul said, Wherefore, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Believing and speaking was the center of everything Paul's revelation brought to us. And he says it's the same spirit of faith. Now, the same spirit of faith doesn't mean we've got the same spirit of faith between you and me, even though that's true. The same spirit of faith that he's talking about is we've got the same spirit of faith as God himself. This is the God kind of faith. We have believed and therefore have we spoken. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause? Knowing who we are, knowing what we have, knowing the, the value, the benefit of believing and speaking the word of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, there's decaying, getting older, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Here Paul is calling your spirit the inward man. For our light affliction, verse 17, for our light affliction, test trials, troubles here on the earth, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, the Bible's real clear that we're not going to escape trouble and persecution and difficulties here on the earth. Adversity is just a part of life. But Paul is talking about something that enables our experiences the tests, trials, and troubles, the adversities that we experience here on the earth to work in us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now, I'll be the first one to say that not every one of my experiences has had that effect because I didn't handle them right. I'm sure many of you could agree with me on that. But Paul is talking about something specific that enables the trials and tests and difficulties of life to produce an eternal, glorious result in us. See, if we just stop at the end of this verse, then we'd have to conclude like so many other Christians believe that, well, things are going to be however they're going to be. God's in control, and whatever happens, it'll work to our advantage. That's just stupid. If God was in control of everything, then why would he expect us to have faith? But instead, the Bible says it's through faith we access and take hold of the things of God and the things that Jesus provided for us through his sacrifice. So Paul is talking about conducting ourselves, the way we handle ourselves in the middle of conflict, in the middle of adversity, that makes all the difference. So let me read that again. 
For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory while, in other words, here's what you do. Here's how you make your experiences work to your advantage. While we look not at the things which are seen in the physical realm, but at the things which are not seen, the things that God's word promises and reveals. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. The word temporal means subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. I've got a final question for you. What makes the things that are seen, all the physical circumstances around us, everything about this physical realm, what makes those things subject to change? There's only one thing that the Bible says changes circumstances, and that's faith. Believing in the heart. Apart from and separated from everything that you see and feel, believing according to what the Bible says is ours. That's the only thing that the Bible says in any way whatsoever will change circumstances. So Paul is saying, if we put these things together, Paul is saying very clearly, in my thinking anyway, in my view, he's saying the trouble that we experience down here on this earth, don't let that shake you. It's common. It works this way. Everybody has to deal with it because we have the same spirit of faith as God who created the worlds by words. We have the same spirit of faith and these experiences, these troubles, these difficulties that we have here on the earth, as unpleasant as they are, won't last forever. And they can work in us spiritual growth and development and maturity while we look at the right things. While we look at the things that the word promises, while we look at the word just like Abraham looked at the word and not at the circumstances themselves. That's what that same spirit of faith is for, folks. That's why God deposited in us the measure of faith that is up to us to grow and develop because he wanted us to learn that stuff on on this earth Circumstances, afflictions, troubles, difficulties here on this earth are subject to the word of God in our mouths. And that's all they are subject to. It doesn't matter how much the devil wants you to have trouble. Your words determine your own experience. The Bible never says we can keep trouble away from us, but it sure tells us we can conquer every bit of it. What do you see? What do you see? I see the word. I see the blessings of God. Ephesians 1, 3 says that we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That means everything that we ever need, every good thing is available to us simply by believing and acting on and speaking God's word. And that's true for everyone else. The Bible tells us to walk by faith and not by sight. That means to walk according to what God's Word says and not according to what we see or feel. Don't let your feelings and don't let the circumstances that you see around you stop you from acting on God's Word. His Word's always true. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. 
He's saying if we're living our lives on the truth of God's word, if we've sold out to the truth, which is the word of God, and made a, a one-time decision, once and for all decision, never to turn back on, that we're going to live by the word, you're already a winner. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.